Oh, we have a brief recap. Okay, so it's part three of our mm-hmm. Anna Karenina um, apparent trilogy. Welcome we back. We are on the juiciest bits. Yep, we're back. Hello. Mm-hmm. Illiterature, etc. I'm too. <laughs> I'm too into this book to care about niceties. <laughs> you right gotta now. get I right know into what it. Happens. Yeah. I've been thinking about it. I'm like, oh, what's gonna happen? Um, bonus content. Alana has not been with us the first two episodes, yeah. and uh, she's just coming in now, coming in hot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, sh- she has to catch up, or else. <laughs> How are you? I brought my entire bottle of wine up with me. I'm not, oh no, what happened? I'm not wearing pants. It's lockdown again, which means I'm working uh, 8.30 till 6 now. Oh. <laughs> Everything's fine. Let's do a recap of the past two parts. All so, right, you're on. All right, where, where is everyone? Yep, okay. Let me see where everyone is. Kitty and uh, John Krasinski are married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... Levin. Just Levin. like watching Alana's, um, Alana's face and just like, <laughs> John Krasinski's in this? Um, he okay. is in this. Kitty and John Krasinski are married and they're fine. Um, mm-hmm. Kira Knightley and... Kira Knightley doesn't love her daughter as much anymore. She loves her son more. Jude Law's being really nice. Mm-hmm. Aaron Taylor Johnson's depressed. Yeah, because they were um, stuck in Italy for a bit. They're stuck in Italy. And then they came yeah, but back. they're back now. Oh! And she got... Someone was super rude to them. Yeah, at the, at the opera. opera. Mm. So they fucked off to the country. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, how's our favorite? How's, um... <laughs> Steve, Steve. Yeah, how's he going? He's going good. He's going good. He loves life. He he has a ballerina oh, now, yeah. remember? Yeah, secret ballerina. And, um... Not that secret. Dolly's just... <laughs> Dolly's just like suffering silently. Who are we waiting on? What's the? Who else am I forgetting? I think you're good. Th- oh, Sarioja. Sarioja is missing. Who was that? The son. Oh, he's always, he's home alone. <laughs> no one knows where he is. He just wants to make some fish sticks. <laughs> All right. So speaking of um, Dolly, here we go. She's in the country. This is part six. Nice. Um, her estate is run down, as you'll remember. Steve didn't. He didn't kind of fix it up. He, they don't have the money to fix it up like she wanted to. She's a bit run down herself. She's so fed up with this, in fact, the situation, that she gives up on it altogether. Oh no! And simply moves in with Kitty and Levin, bringing her <laughs> five children oh, and no. servants with her. <laughs> just for the summer, though. Just for the How summer. But you is, know, all these. Uh, how big is Levin's house? Is, is, well, this, that's it. Like, all these country estates, I imagine, like, those huge cavernous... Downton Abbey's. Like, yeah, exactly. Or, like, in Emma, full stop. Like, those sprawling houses that are too big to keep warm, so you have to surround yourself with screens, like Bill Nye. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And this is Russia, so it's even worse. And only one room is heated. That's true. I'm just like, well. um, spring for some new heaters, John, Jim Krasinski. <laughs> Jim from the office, Krasinski. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So they've got their full house now. Um, oh, hijinks so that's ensue. Nice. Truly. Kitty's Kentucky friend, Varenka, is also visiting. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, and Levin's brother, Sergei, as well. Oh, the um, last alive one. Who did yeah, Benny from, Benny from 
Queen's Gambit. We yep. we did this last episode as well. <laughs> I always forget. Yeah. You have to know that um, mm. I have, like, the movie Finding Dory was written about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dory. I'm Ellen DeGeneres. And oh my god, I didn't. So the two of them actually start to get a thing going. Varenka, very sweet, pious um, friend Bad of Kitty's. And yeah, exactly. I'm into um, it. Which threatens to come to nothing because Sergei keeps getting in his own way. Um, or the ghost of his dead girlfriend does. Oh, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> he has a dead girlfriend? <laughs> no, I was making a joke about that date you had back in the Canterbury Tales episode. Oh, my God. Although I think he actually does have a dead girlfriend. Who was I? Just thinking Maybe that wasn't a joke about you. Maybe that was the actual story. Maybe my anyway. wife is Anna Karina, <laughs> but I'm just Sergey. <laughs> Who should turn up next, but... <gasps> Our favorite. You should guess. Yeah. Our fave. Our main Whose guy. Whose name is? Steve. Correct. <laughs> you got it. Steve. <laughs> and? So he's back for the ducks. Um, nice. He's <laughs> and this time it's personal. <laughs> no, <laughs> and this time. It's personal. Oh no, okay. No, but this time he has brought a stupid asshole named Veslovsky. <laughs> Wait, is that what you wrote in your report? He brought a stupid asshole. <laughs> or, yeah. or did you just have that kind of a day? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, and the next sentence is Veslovsky is stupid and an asshole. <laughs> what did he do, Sandy? Um, what did he do? But he but he likes Kitty and he flirts with her, which makes Levin very angry indeed. Um they fight about it. She's like, I can't control him, only myself. And am I not meant to be hospitable to, like, guests in my own home? Oh, she's she, like, very blowing reasonable. him or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While she's giving this argument to Levin. <laughs> what was that? Hospitable! <laughs> um, yeah, so what did the stupid asshole do? Aside from the... Well, flirting with kids. Well, yeah, he's only just arrived, so give him a minute. You gave such a strong entrance to him. You you just declared. Yeah, and then I'm about to like explicate that and un- unravel it. And okay, have more wine. I don't like this you. color on you. <laughs> <laughs> I need to talk to you when you're um, at least halfway down. So Levin, oh yeah, so Levin apologizes for being jealous and like picking a fight with her, as he should, and he promises to try to be more welcoming to this new guy the next day. So the three of them set out towards the best hunting grounds in a little carriage. Um, and, and you know, Levin gets over his jealousy pretty quick in, that morning. And he finds Veslovsky more charming and comical. Just kind of, you know, like, life of the party, uh, frat boys yeah. type. Um, and overall, like, good-natured. Although Veslovsky bogs their carriage and <laughs> misfires his gun and tires out their horses and bothers Levin making him shoot badly. No, he's a spy or something <laughs> sent there to... Throw him off his rhythm. <laughs> yeah. So the men discuss, um, while they're on this little boy's trek, boy's day out, they discuss a railroad magnate who lives nearby. I guess like a guy who owns a lot of railroads or invests in railroads and made his fortune that way. As a magnate is um, meant to be. Um, I don't know what magnate means, so I was, that's exactly why I went that. into it. Yeah. Just that. Rich dude. No question. <laughs> That's it, that's all I know. <laughs> Railroad adjacent wealth. 
like <laughs> transportation mode kind of wealth. Does that make sense? You got that train money. Train, you got that old train money. <laughs> that old railway money. Why are we laughing? These are terms. This is the thing. People do this. People do have yeah. train money. <laughs> and yet I still have to stupid. imagine them that they all have like big Monopoly man mustaches and they kind of twirl it and they like, I drink your milkshake. A wealthy oh, and influential Alana. businessman or businesswoman. A property magnate. Wow. A house adjacent. So that doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> I oh house my god, adjacent. I was right. I was just like, rich dude. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so, uh, eat the rich Levin, and then what? <laughs> Levin disdains this guy because he's he considers the this wealth ill-gotten. It's like he didn't New work money. for it. It's Wait. The, exactly. It's the product of financial tricks, not like oh, not inheriting. Not, well, yeah, like not sheaves of wheat. Sheaves by <laughs> slaves. It's actually old money versus new money. We're in the great gap. Yeah, exactly. Now. Except we're being expected to, like, sympathize with Levin. Oh. <laughs> I'm not a rich Russian aristocrat. I don't care. It's just not relatable serfs. to me, you know. Mm. <laughs> Only the serfs are relatable. <laughs> Steva mocks Levin for being a nobleman who does not work for his fortune. <laughs> eh? Just like, that's why he's our guy. Uh, and Levin is irked because Steva is right. <laughs> It's like, that mean, but damn, you right, though. <laughs> Levin goes to bed frustrated while the other two go off looking for farm girls to fuck. Nice. Which Steva says <laughs> is acceptable. Asleep. <laughs> uh, Steva says this is acceptable as long as, as long as his wife doesn't find out. All right. Got the okay from the big guy. Big guy. Yeah. <laughs> Steve is the big guy. It's himself. I know. <laughs> But it's Levin's house. The next morning, Levin goes off to hunt alone without anyone to distract him. <laughs> His dog, Laska, <laughs> flushes out some huge snipe. Um, and if you don't know what snipe is, I, I gave us a little oh. uh, a little short description. Fun, thank This is you. what I wrote. Long legs, long beaks, little fat bodies. <laughs> Alana, show me a photo, please. I can tell you have it up. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> long legs, long <laughs> big, little fat body. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. Accurate, right? Accurate. Uh. Accurate. As a snipe, uh, Levin gets them all. Nice, good He's for stoked. Him. He comes back with 19 dead birds, which Yikes. is, uh, incidentally, the name of my Mumford and Sons-esque folk band. 19 dead birds. Who's, whose band is that? Mine. Oh, okay. Oh, that's dark, bro. You know, if check um, me out on SoundCloud. <laughs> if you and Josh ever become like a music duo or something, you should be called Milk mm -hmm. Toast, but spelled milk and like toast, because you're the milk and he's the toast, because he's brown and you're <laughs> and white. And he's toast. But it's like Milk Toast, like you know the fancy word, but mm. it's spelled like milk, like milk, and then space and toast. Like toast. <laughs> that's relatable. <laughs> Kids, kids love it. <laughs> what kids? <laughs> he's pissed, though, when he comes to find that Steva and Vozlovsky have eaten all the food. Apparently he's, like, walking back up the hill. He's really tired. He's carrying all these dead birds. 19. <laughs> and um, he's like, damn, I can't wait to eat some pie. And, and he gets there, and he's like, 
where's the pie? And they're like, we ate the pie. And he's like, what about the chicken? They're like, we ate the chicken. What about the chicken pie? What about the cupcakes? They're like, we ate the cupcakes. He's like, is there anything to eat? 19 dead birds. Like, they give him like half an apple that they're halfway through eating or something. They don't. I made that up. But, you know, that's the energy. That's the vibe. Um, yeah, so he's hungry. He's hangry, in fact. Anyway, they get home eventually, and Levin finds out Kitty needs to go to Moscow to see an OBGYN. <gasps> oh, yeah, she, she prigs. Mm-hmm. And Levin's like, cows give birth in the country all the time. And so she's like, pack your things. I'm not a cow. Yeah, what? <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Idiot. And so it's decided. However, Vozlovsky will not leave Lenin... Lenin... It's not Lenin. It's Levin. <laughs> Voslovsky will not leave Levin's poor heart in peace and must flirt mercilessly with Kitty before he leaves. <laughs> which Levin actually um, makes him do. He kicks him out of the house <laughs> um, for flirting. <laughs> nice. Without proper recourse to good manners. And it's a bit embarrassing for all involved. But they're like, that's Levin. <laughs> that's like the sh- that's the show. <laughs> like Dolly and her family moves in, and Levin's like, <laughs> like they play a prank on him or something. That's the and name he's of the like... show, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so against the advice of all experts, Dolly decides to visit Anna. Against she plan. <laughs> Which experts? All of them. In any field. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> 10 out of 10 experts agree. <laughs> um, so Dolly plans to hire her own horses rather than ask for Levin's as she's reluctant to um, seek his aid for a potentially shameful mission. Mm. Um, it is shameful, I guess, yeah. if people find yeah. out. Yeah. That, is that but he sister? insists, though. Or it's Steve's sister. Sister-in-law, Steve's sister. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. But they always got along really well. Remember, Anna was the one who convinced her to take Steva back after she yeah. found out about his f- f- fair nanny. Fair. <laughs> what was I trying to say? Fuck Philandering. Philandering. There you go. <laughs> okay, so he insists though. He finds out she's going to see Anna. He's like, "No, what kind of host would I be if I didn't like give you some horses to take, lend you?" I guess. Anyway. I don't know how horses work back then. Sometimes it seems cars, like cars, bro. Yeah, like, you, you can just, like, trade them, like, baseball cards. Like, well, that's what they do in Red Dead Redemption, so I think that is yeah, true to Yeah, like, you, you you ride your horse to exhaustion, you stop at a pub, and you trade, like, a gas canister for a barbecue or something. Yeah. That's what it seems like. But then there's expensive, fancy horses, and you can't trade them, so I don't know. I don't know the horse economy. I don't know what you want from me. Not that. Then I'm trying words. to tell you a st- I'm trying to tell you a story. I didn't ask you for the horse economy. You just you gotta let me tell the story. About the horse economy that you don't know? <laughs> He's also probably trying extra hard to seem hospitable since he just kicked that guy out of his house. <laughs> Flirt with my wife, ride my horse, go ahead. <laughs> um, so while she's riding, Dolly reflects on love and marriage and is actually a bit jealous of Anna. She's so tired of being enslaved to screaming children and a duplicitous, loveless husband, you know. And Mm. she tries to imagine being loved and loving, like, passionately, like she imagines Anna and Vronsky love each other. Poor Dolly. What are you thinking right now? Me. 
Mm. Just thinking about poor Dolly. Just thinking about her sad yeah. life with her cool husband. <laughs> <laughs> it's not cool if you're the wife, though, right? Yeah, it's cool when you're one of the, when you're one of the boys, but when you're the girl, yeah, it's not good. when you're the girl. Yeah. When you're the when you're the ballerina, it's, it's also fine. Just trying I to guess. do ballet. Dolly runs into Anna on the road to her house. Oh, Anna is accompanied by Vaslovsky, the stupid asshole from before. Oh. As well as two other people. Oh. Well, why uh, did you pause? <laughs> no, 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 no. You <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Oblonskaya, um, who, the one who took Anna to the opera, who's like the bad rep. Yeah. Um, Agony aunt, whatever. Whatever her deal is. Um, and Levin's friend, Svyavsky, who I don't know if he was in the story before. I can't remember. He doesn't matter that much. He's just there. It's fine. Yeah. They're all just having a jaunt on horseback. Sure. Um, at this time, though, in Russia, riding on horseback is still considered quite improper for ladies. Oh, So Dolly is, like, surprised and a little impressed that Anna's there. Like, her legs are open. Boom. There's a horse. <laughs> Oh, she's not riding side saddle. Oh. I don't think so. Because, like, Mary and stuff, when they were out hunting, they'd be riding side saddle. And I'm just like, Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. I know. How exhausting. I know. Although, when you've been riding a horse, like, normal way, front saddle, <laughs> for, like, a long time, it can be, like, a rest to ride side saddle for a bit if your, like, groin muscles are, like, uh, sore true. or tired. Yeah. You should be able to do both. There should be, like, convertible saddles. So, like, when that. you get your license, it has to be for an automatic and a manual kind of thing. Mm, exactly. But, like, a car that can What's switch between What's automatic an automatic and manual. Horse? A car. That's <laughs> 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 a fucking car. <laughs> it's a motherfucking car. <sighs> Dolly dislikes this other princess uh, who sponges off her rich relatives, Princess Oblonskaya. And Dolly's also, I think, Princess Oblonskaya. They're like different Princess Oblonskayas. Okay, sure. They're both princesses. Good for them. They're prince. Everyone's a princess. Except me. <laughs> That's what you were thinking when you were like pushing up the two bikes and you're just like, everyone's a princess. <laughs> Except me. Dolly feels self-conscious that she looks old and worn next to Anna. She's like, her clothes are mended and old-fashioned. And, like, she's not rich. She's not rich. She's a princess, but she's not rich. Yeah. It's Russia. It's hard. Everything's hard. Everything is hard. Um, Anna speaks to Dolly of her, quote, great, unforgivable happiness. Hmm. She just wants to live. She's let go the fears and suffering of the past, she says. Uh, she clings to Dolly, apparently. Like, when they hold hands, they, she clings to Dolly like a life raft. Um, I think they're back at the house now. Vronsky's trying no, they're to still inject on some... the horses. <laughs> she's clinging <laughs> like... on her because she's, like, falling off the entire horse. <laughs> like, what could it mean? <laughs> Vronsky is trying to inject some meaning into his life beyond his love, obviously, for Anna. That's true. That is his only thing. Yeah. It was Soldier, but then he broke his leg and killed Fru-Fru, so. Yeah. Poor Fru-Fru. Poor Dolly. Don't have a, like, a feminine, anglicized, or Frenchified name in a Tolstoy novel. You're gone. Wait, Kitty's doing that. That was okay. too broad. That was too broad. Yeah, she's fine. Yeah, never mind. Ignore me. 
Where am I? Vronsky's trying to inject some meaning into his life yeah. beyond love, as we said, by managing the estate they're living on. Okay. Um, you know, Levin style, I guess. You know, like what Levin does, except without the, the ho- farm working in the fields. <laughs> yeah, making There's the people pheasants to do that. feel awkward and weird. I'm one of you guys. Check it out. <laughs> Good work, sire. <laughs> Good work, my lord. <laughs> ah, stop it. <laughs> you have to say that. <laughs> yes. I do, my lord. <laughs> He's also building a first-class hospital nearby for the local peasant community. How is he doing that? He's just, I don't know, just with his money. He's just paying for it. Oh. He's not doing it by hand. He's not. Yeah, I know. I was like, excuse me? Um, but he's, he's like involved in the architecture stuff with the architect or whatever. And Anna apparently is as well. She gets involved. Um, so Dolly's in their house now. She stays in a room that Anna calls inferior, but that Dolly finds super lush after her simple poor country living. Oh, no. Um, yeah. And she's like hyper aware of her patched coat and her old dress. Anna presents her baby daughter to Dolly, also Anna. Yeah. Um, An- Annie, I think. Anna Jr. <laughs> yeah, which I love. I wish more women would just... You should name your child Cassandra if you have one. Or a dog Maybe. or a cat. Annie. It's, it's something I love in theory, but I feel like I'm a bit of, too much of a pussy. No, you won't. Once you squeeze out that child, you're like, nah. Even if you're a boy, Cassandra. <laughs> Cassandra. <laughs> It's actually Cassander, because it's Greek. There was a Cassander in um, Alexander the Great's army. Mm. He was one of the generals. He inherited, like, the Middle East or something. The Annie, little Annie, has been naturalized by Karenin. He's actually um, given her his last name. Nice. So she's not a bastard child, according to the law. Wait, hang so on. that was nice of him. So his name is Jude Law. Her name, her last name is Jude Law's last name? Yeah. Wow, God, why does he keep giving him all these cool favors? Yeah, he's real nice. Yeah, he's just like, what's going on? This is. There's a sense that he kind of finds Jesus a little bit when he starts hanging out with that Lydia lady more. Like, Uh, she's super pious and stuff. Yeah, forgiveness. And then that, as you'll see later on in the story, that takes um, takes an interesting path. Yes. Dark turn interesting for sure okay um unexpected okay okay so mm, um but i get the sense you know it's never explicitly stated but i get the sense that like yeah it's like this influence this sort of very christian influence in his life um with lydia and her set you know the the very pious people he's hanging out with um that start to influence him more and more Dolly is worried about the child's disagreeable governess. Apparently the governess is a bit rude, I guess, and how little interest Anna seems to have in the management of the nurse. She's always like, what? Yeah, but Dolly's kind of like, why aren't you, yeah, involved? Um, Anna admits freely she feels superfluous to the infant's upbringing, and Dolly's like, maybe you should act on that. Maybe you should talk to someone about that. Dolly still envies Anna's freedom and passionate love. She's like, must be nice. Yeah, not having to look after five kids, having money. Mm, Having money, being, you know, loved. Yeah, actually having, like, sex and not just... Yeah. Have your husband fuck a ballerina instead. Yeah. 
In private, Vronsky implores Dolly to persuade Anna to seek a divorce. Remember, Karenin agreed to a divorce earlier, mm. which she didn't take him up on because she felt bad. Yeah. Anyway, um... She's still married to him. That's <laughs> so funny. I can't... Yeah, that's weird, yeah. So Vronsky, he, he wants to be able to petition the emperor for a legal adoption of their daughter. Yeah, I guess you have to go straight to the emperor to be like, yeah, you can be a Vronsky then. Wow. Legally, yeah, because she's a Karenin, legally. Vronsky also wants any future children he might have to carry his name. Yeah. Which is a dude thing, I don't get it. <laughs> she says after just having talked about how she wants to name her child after her. I don't get it. Um, Vronsky seems convinced there will be more children. Anna seems convinced and determined that there won't. Dolly wonders how Anna will hold on to Vronsky when her beauty inevitably fades. Um, by Lana Del Rey. Thank you. 2014. Anna says she cannot humiliate herself by writing to Karenin for a divorce. After already not having taken him up on the offer, I guess. Just be like, hey, you remember that divorce you brought up a while ago that I didn't want then, but I kind of want now? Is that still on the table? <laughs> Does that have, like, a limited time offer thing on it, or...? Dolly's home life suddenly looks warm and delightful and fun to Dolly. Well, good. <laughs> and she notes, yeah, she notes that Anna takes morphine to fall asleep. Wow. Um, yeah. So she's like, maybe, uh, she doesn't have it all. So she's just a glamorous heroin addict. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good for her. Rather than stay several days as planned, Dolly decides to return home the next day. So she's like, it's weird around here. It's very cold and weird. The baby never cries. Kind of weird. Uh, your husband's always kind of crying. I, I don't know. Oh, your non-husband. Sorry, because you're not divorced. He's just crying over blueprints <laughs> for a hospital. Yeah, he's still crying over Fru-Fru. Like, amidst all the blueprints, yeah, there's a photo of the horse. And he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> That he puts the, uh, no, he, like, throws down the blueprints on the table and the lines just make the image of a horse accidentally <laughs> and he just bursts into tears. Like a Rorschach, then Anna walks in, she's like, why are you crying over this couple getting a divorce? <laughs> mm. When Vronsky oh. announces that he must travel to Kashin to provide some important, oh, sorry, to Kashin province, for some important local elections. Remember, elections are a new hot thing that the Tsar, that the current Tsar instituted. Um, Anna receives the news with strange calm. She's usually suspicious and jealous of his solo trips. She thinks he's banging ballerinas and bears. He could be. She's. He could be. She's dead. How would she know? I know. She's just fucking hopped. That's up. what he'd say if he was. <laughs> Levin now living in Moscow because of Kitty's pregnancy, um, also goes to the election. So the boys are going to the election. Oh, fine. L yeah, Levin feels like he's the only guy in the room who doesn't get it. <laughs> he probably he's is. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he probably is. Um, but I also don't get it. Uh, Vronsky hosts a party for the victor, an apparently nasty venomous politician. Um, I just shrugged, and that doesn't translate onto audio. Um, 
but he receives a worried note from Anna telling him to return home immediately yes. as their infant daughter is ill. Oh, part so seven, he has part to bail. seven. Mm. By the time he gets home, the daughter is fine. Interesting. And he expects, uh, he suspects Anna of lying about the illness. He's like, how many times do I have to tell you I love you? It's getting less and less true. <laughs> if you keep asking me, then I'll start lying. <laughs> um, Anna says she refuses to be separated from Vonsky again. And she agrees to write to Karenin for an official divorce, uh, which they both expect him to sign off on as he has already offered it. Nah, bro. Now it's part seven. Now we're part seven? All right. Now we're part Oh my god, yes, okay. This is where it always happens. Yeah, it's penultimate. Penultimate. You've been waiting for this one. I've been waiting. I've been waiting since part one. I'm like, I know part seven's where it's at. (laughs) So I'll come along. Okay. But I won't Mm -hmm. be happy about it. I'm not gonna (laughs) like it. (laughs) Levin and Kitty are in Moscow. And Kitty's almost ready to pop. Nice. Ugh. Alright. Yeah, I know. Not for me. City life isn't really for Levin. He seems anxious all the time. <laughs> Kitty notes it. He doesn't like the men's club and having to hang out with people. Yeah. Are they just in the city because that's where the doctors are or something for her? That's for where baby? the medical help is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but there isn't much else to do here. Not work anyway, which seems to be the only thing that makes him feel worthwhile. Um, Kitty is mainly confined to their rooms. So the rooms they've rented. Um, on one rare occasion where she's in public, she runs into Vronsky <gasps> and is pleased with herself about how she's able to like calmly and coolly interact with him without feeling embarrassed about her former romantic feelings for him oh. and without yeah, ma- letting him make her look silly or look like make it she's like Sam. Take she... a note out of Kitty's book. Right? She just, yeah, it's smooth, you know? She just handles it. Good for her. And she's really proud of herself about that. Meanwhile, Levin goes from feeling uncomfortable with the expenses of city life to sort of not noticing as the money flows through his fingers. And I'm like, me too. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Um, At first he's like, two city servants' uniforms is enough to pay for two farm workers for an entire summer. But in the city, servants have uniforms, apparently, and you just how it is gotta get them there and you gotta buy him yeah livery exactly man you have been watching downton abbey really i love this color on you (laughs) thank you so much you're like "Mm, yes footman livery they need it they need it can't do it without it's important and the maids can't Mm. serve what are we talking about here (laughs) exactly you can't have the maids serving at the the dining room at the dinner oh my god Mm. unheard of so Levin meets with some scholars for a change. I think I was being sarcastic there, but it's been a while since I wrote it. So, and this big shot Metrov condescends to have a look at his book on Russian agriculture. Remember how Levin was writing a book? He's oh, like, mm, yeah, the peasants. Book. He's like, about the peasants. No one cares about um, your and Metrov, stupid book, Levin. Metrov is agreeable enough, but understands agricultural issues only in, like, the, his own terms. Because he's written a book about it, right? So, and he, like, a big book that got pretty popular from what I can, under, from what I remember. And he's like, I hear what you're saying, but he doesn't. And he's like, but my ideas, my ideas, my ideas, whatever. Levin's disappointed, but he resolves simply to go his own way and follow his ideas to the end. He's like, no, nah, I believe in me. That's good. Someone has to. Um, 
He goes to a concert of new music based on Shakespeare's King Lear. Ooh, remix. He, yeah, he doesn't get it. <laughs> He's just like... Even, a, lot of this, a lot of this book is Levin not getting it. <laughs> it really is. Why is it called Anna Karenina when it's, it should just be called That's Levin and he doesn't get it? Yeah. Steve um, is like the even fun though best he listened. Sorry, I was just yeah, saying the TV like, show thing. And he's, like, trying to get it. That's the best thing is, like, he tries really hard. He, like, listens really intently. And then afterwards and he's, he's like, like, trying to... F- he's trying to, like, form an opinion. He's like... <laughs> but he... D- no. and, <laughs> and everyone else seems really into it, which frustrates him because he's, like... I just don't get I it. Don't, I don't get it. <laughs> um, he's actually so related. Later. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Later at a reception, Levin discusses a recently concluded trial. Um, you know, like a big trial of the century. It's Russian OJ in the 1800s. Nice. And he finds himself repeating, like, something pithy, like words that he heard someone say the day before. Mm-hmm. And he, like, dies a little bit inside. He kind of hates himself a little bit. Uh, he's become a seller. He, like, says it. He's become a Yeah, yeah, silica. exactly. He's a, he's a phony. He's a phony. Oh, no. Finally, he goes back to the club, the men's club, running into Steva and Vronsky. Whom he drinks with, enjoying their lewd conversation and laughing so loudly others turn to look. He actually starts enjoying himself. Oh, no, that's not allowed. That's not allowed in the Russian handy book of being Russian. And also, it's with Vronsky, right? Who he's never really properly met before. He knows him only as the guy who, like, broke Kitty's heart and, like, made her not... Agree to marry him at first. Like, he's, he's kind of got a uh, bit of a chip on his shoulder about Vronsky, but he kind of, tonight, he lets it slide, and he, they actually start getting along, and Levin decides he likes Vronsky, after all. For now. And I wrote here, Levin gambles and loses 40 rubles. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> but he um, gains a friend. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Suddenly, Steva. Wait, wait, sorry. I think that just means that he gambled and he lost 40 rubles. You're right. Oh my god. I was like, what's the deeper meaning? And I'm like, oh, he gambled at the men's club and lost some money. Suddenly, Steva proposes a surprise visit to Anna, whom Levin has never met. Our two worlds are about to collide. Ooh. Levin is like, damn, okay, sure. Wait, Levin's gonna meet Anna? Yeah, because oh, he's, he's wait, drunk. He's never met Anna? Otherwise, he'd, he's never met Anna. Oh my god, you're right. He just hears about her. He's never... He just hears about her. Oh no, what if they fall in love? <gasps> Alright, keep going. And then and then what? Steva explains Anna's loneliness in Moscow, saying that she passes her time writing a children's book. Okay. And assisting in the education of the daughter of an impoverished English family. She's like... A governess. Found this girl that she... Yeah, she's found this girl that she really likes, and she's sort of kind of taking What about your daughter, away. Anna? <laughs> she doesn't like that one. Hell. <laughs> what baby? What baby? <laughs> so when they get to Anna's house, Levin is deeply impressed by her. Her genuineness and her beauty and her intelligence. Ooh. He's still a little bit tipsy. Like, ordinarily, I think Sober Lennon would be like, oh, fallen woman. You know, he's pretty judgmental. Yeah. But because he's a bit looser, he's like, damn, okay. I get and it. He meets her and he's like, damn, okay. <laughs> he looks at Vronsky and he's like, they talk. 
<laughs> well, we got yeah. well, we a honk honk. <laughs> God, that was so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> These are all the noises a boob makes. We are trying to come up with all of them. Yeah, yeah. And she, uh, yeah, he they talk easily together. She, he's amazed by how graceful in conversation she is. They just click. They're like, you know. Uh-oh. Soulmates a little. Uh-oh. In the sense that, like, the book follows them both, you know? Their lives are just connected by a thread. By an invisible string. string. Tying you to me. <laughs> anyway, um, Levin asks why Anna supports the English girl, but not Russian school children. He, he throws her a curveball. Curve yeah. Anna replies that she only loves this particular girl, and love is the only thing she ever really considers, which scans. It really Holds does. Up. It does hold up. She knows who she yeah. is. Yeah. Um, when it is time at last for Levin, Levin to go, Anna tells him that she does not wish Kitty to forgive her, for forgiveness would be possible only if Kitty were to live through the same nightmare Anna has experienced. What? I don't know. Wait, what? She's like, it's impossible for her to forgive me unless she knows how much I suffered, which she can't know unless she lives it. Why does Kitty have to forgive I don't her? Because she got with Vrons- Vronsky? Uh, yeah, because she was going to marry Vronsky. Not really. Show me the proposal. Yeah. Show I it don't know. Me. Everything's women's fault, and it's definitely like Vronsky's fault. It really is. It's this. 100% Vronsky's fault. Mm-hmm. And like a little bit Levin. And a little bit, Steve. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit Anna, actually. But ne- not uh, Kitty or Dolly. Yeah, a little bit. But not, it's not her. Yeah, I mean, she just, Anna's reactive. You know, she reacts and she doesn't always react well, but things happen to her. So Anna says that, all of that. And then Levin blushes and he's like, damn, okay, I guess I'll pass that on to her. <laughs> he's like, if, uh, uh, don't forgive her because what? Because <laughs> you might... No. No, wrong. She said something really weird, but Levin... really sexy. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I was looking at her mouth, but I wasn't listening. <laughs> She's like, why are you telling me this? I'm like, I had two drinks, so I'm just so drunk. I had fun tonight, and I don't alive. know how to act now. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first time ever. That he's had fun, and he's like, how do I come back I don't from like this? it. <laughs> Levin returns home aware of his fascination with and attraction to Anna. He tells Kitty he has met Anna, and Kitty is immediately jealous and provokes a fight. She's like, that slut who stole my other boyfriend. <laughs> the one I wouldn't marry a bar. Anna, uh, yeah. So she's not entirely wrong about that. But anyway, Anna admits to herself later that she was flirting with Levin. She's like, nah, I could wrap him around my little finger if I wanted to good to be so hot. <laughs> it's good to be Kira Knightley sometimes. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Anna, who's alone now, wonders why Vronsky is colder to her than Levin was. And I'm thinking like, maybe it's because you uh, harass him and <laughs> gaslight him. And, <laughs> and just annoy him. Yell at him all the time. <laughs> Ask him if he loves you and now he means it less. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, did I um, make the... Do they swing? Oh, my God. Is this what no, happens? Oh, no. Oh, well, they should. No. Sorry. Yeah, that's a fan fiction, though. That would that would get reads. 
I get clicks. <laughs> Pretending to die. <laughs> when Vronsky finally gets home, she tells him off for preferring his male friend's company to her company. I wonder why. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was the other way around, like his male friend, like he got to his male friends and they're like, you like your wife alone, huh? And he's like, oh my god, I can't wait. Well, that's the thing though, isn't it? Like, you're, you're pussy whipped, bro. Yeah. Is that what Josh's friends say to him? <laughs> yeah, they're like, you're comedy whipped, bro. No. <laughs> Not pussy. Nah, he's spreadsheet whipped. He really is. He loves Exit more than anyone or anything. Yeah. Vronsky notes the clear hostility in her tone. She's, like, trying to start an argument. Anna vaguely kind of threatens him. She, like, talks ominously about a disaster she is nearing and, and like, she fears herself. Um, and he's like, are you threatening me? Sounds really munchausen but sure. <laughs> One night, Kitty gently shakes Lennon awake. I'm popping. And she says... You better join your union, because it's labor time. Pew, 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 pew. Anna just... <laughs> Alana just took off her headphones. She's leaving. Come back. Bra, bra. Skirt. And then skirt. what actually what happened do? was... Skirt. Because she said that, Levin just killed her to death. <laughs> and their unborn baby, too. He was like, hate that. Um, so Levin is dazed, she's screaming in pain, and he's like, I need to help her so she doesn't scream anymore. <laughs> That's like where he is emotionally. <laughs> At all he's times. Like, I gotta stop, I gotta stop the screaming. <laughs> what? <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so she's he popping. He f yeah, so he finally manages to get to the doctor. He has to, like, get some kind of medicine. I think it's morphine, which he needs, like, a note for. And he's, like, there's, like, people stuffing him around, making him wait. And he's, like, I can't wait. My wife's having a baby. <laughs> Just ask Anna. She's got, um, like, random, like, ampules of morphine <laughs> just lying around. And she's, like... Oh yeah, take my um four o'clock morphine. That's fine. That's like five fifty nine now. Two more hours, and I'll get another one. It's fine. So he finally manages to get to the doctor, um, to come with him. He's trying to get the doctor to come with him. There's a really cute sequence where he keeps urging the doctor on. He's like, "Come on, she's having a baby," and the doctor's like, "I know," drinking his coffee slowly, <laughs> and he's like putting on his clothes and his shoes slowly, and he's like, "It's fine." <laughs> I know. It's fine. And Lena's like, come on, we gotta go now! And the doctor's like gently chuckling and he's like, first time, huh? <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Give me half an hour. And Lemon's like, no! <laughs> oh, this, is, this is a really cute scene. Um, turns out to be quite a long labor. Um, and Levin becomes convinced that Kitty will die uh -huh. during childbirth, which like isn't out of like possibility. But, yeah. But when the doctor announces that the birth has finally taken place, it's finished, Levin can hardly believe it, that he has a son. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Kitty is fine. Oh. Everything's fine. But the sight of the red, shrieking infant makes Levin feel a bizarre mix of pity and revulsion. Ooh. Interesting. He just doesn't know how he feels, like, which is an ex 
self-disappointing to him because he thought he was going to get, like, an overwhelming rush of, like, spiritual love. Well, I don't know about and you it's guys, like, but my mom, she said like, when I'm she first healed person. me, she was like, I don't love you. I don't know you. She was just like, yeah. who's this? And I'm like, what? That's kind of, yeah, what's going on. It's like, I think some people probably get the, the rush of oxytocin. Some people probably don't, but it's, you know, and less likely probably for fathers not having actually gone through childbirth. But yeah, when since he was expecting to feel like, you know, absolutely like agape, you know, the the spiritual most purest form Wait, of love. Did you just say agape? Agape. Instead of yeah, agape? I think, I think it's agape. It's um agape. I think it's agape. It's Greek. It's there's four kinds of love. Eros. Oh, you're saying I thought you just um, meant like Storge. Like the word agape. Storge's family love. No, no, no. It's a kind of love. There's four kinds of love in Greek theory. I think in Plato's theory. Oh, yeah. And I okay. think platonic is one of them. Great. This is what I get for mm. trying to flex that I know something. Um. So let's leave them there just cuddling their new baby boy for a second. So by this point, Steva and Dolly's finances are in a pretty dire state. Dolly is demanding control over her portion of their fortune. Her money, I'm pretty sure, like, that she brought to the marriage. Yeah. It's, you know, like, the forest, etc. It's et Downton Abbey, yeah. But they don't have enough money to pay the bills at this point. Like, he's, she's like, where's my money? He's like, what money? What? You spent it already? <laughs> <laughs> John Mulaney. R.I.P. That was a John Mulaney joke. No. He's alive. <laughs> so dark because he's in rehab. That's even worse. Rehab in peace. Mm. Rehabilitate in mm. peace. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, R. fuck R. you, Sandy. You don't know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, Steva is determined to get this particularly cushy job as the head of a railroad commission. <gasps> so, like, another governmental position, but it's, like, it's even better. And it's and you you have to shake even less hands. Like, you barely do anything at all. You just break, like, champagne, glass, like champagne bottles on trains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a hard day at the office. <laughs> And he's like, oh, my wrist we, hurts. We lost a lot of good Don Perignons out there. <laughs> and they're like, you don't have to do it. That's just for ships. And he's like, ah, <laughs> long day. <laughs> um, so he goes to St. Petersburg to speak to Karenin about the job, as well as his sister, Anna, wanting a divorce. He's like, two, two favors with one stone. <laughs> Oh. How are you? How are you, Karenin? How's the wife? Whoa. Oh. <laughs> well, now that you brought it up, um, so. Um, <laughs> but his priority is definitely getting himself that nice job. Like, he's going to ask for Anna, but also he wants that job yeah. mainly. Karenin um, seems flustered, and he claims that Anna's life no longer interests him. Oh. Um. But he promises to give Steva a definitive answer about the divorce the next day. He's like, I'll think about it. And it's like, what's there to think about? Does he keep the boy he? child? He has the boy child, right? He still has the boy child, or or maybe, I don't know. Because he doesn't like the boy, the boy child? child anymore. But Anna likes the boy child, but she couldn't keep the boy child. So now she doesn't like I the think girl he doesn't, child. Mm, I think he doesn't like the boy child like as a friend. But I think there's like, a, a sense friend. of responsibility. <laughs> you know, like a sense of responsibility yeah. or ownership even. Like, yeah, this is but my, he doesn't really you know, love legacy things. It just reminds him yeah, of but Anna. He, he, a little bit. His problems 
his life isn't oriented around love in the way that Anna's oh, is. True. Like his focus in his life, his goals aren't connected to love like hers are. His is connected to duty. Honestly, I think honor. Yeah, duty. Um, you know, standing. Standing. Um, respect. Not like standing on your legs, like in society. Standing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's like, I hate sitting. Oh, he would love the standing desk of the modern day office. Ugh. He probably would. Like, if I was going to make a modern day adaptation. He'd be like the guy that's really into, like, standing desks. He's like a, um entrepreneur, like, Silicon Valley entrepreneur. He'd, like, count his steps bag. every day. If he doesn't reach yeah. 10,000, he'll be, like, a little disappointed in himself. <laughs> yeah. And as an influencer. Yep. Um, Steve, Steve can still work in government. <laughs> Steve is why not? He just has Bitcoin. Yeah, he just walks in the light, man. He's a he. He loses all Dolly's money on Bitcoin. Oh, uh, and Dolly is just a sad heiress with no nothing left to heir. Ever since that sex tape. Are you saying she's Kim Kardashian? She's, I'm imagining. Well, I was thinking Paris Hilton. Mm, yeah. Well, they're both still rich. Yeah. I anyway. guess Anna's like, what, Lindsay Lohan then, if we're gonna go by this? Because she's like, kind I of fallen. So, he's like, you wanna divorce Anna? Corinna's like, maybe. On his way out, Stephen meets Seriosha. Oh. Seriosha pops into the office to see his dad. He's now an older schoolboy. He's like, you know... He, he's not in fluffy dresses or sailor boy outfits anymore. Aww. He's kind of like... He's in shorts and like knee-high socks. Oh, amazing. Okay. <laughs> you know, you get the I vibe? I get yeah, anyway. exactly the vibe. So he doesn't really remember Steva, Seriosha. He doesn't remember his uncle. And he claims to not really remember his mother huh. either. Steva then visits Betsy Sverskaya. You know, you remember Betsy? I remember Betsy. Regina, Regina yeah. Um, and tells... Talks to the free-thinking princess uh, Miyagaya, who in uh, in the movie is played by Mary, Lady Mary herself, nice. Michelle Dockery. I was like, why is your mouth making that shape? <laughs> I should have figured you were excited. Yeah. So when Karenin comes up, Princess Miyagi reads Corinne into Phil, nice. calling him a stupid idiot and revealing that he has become a follower of a famous French psychic called Londo. Oh no, he got like pyramid yeah. schemed. Oh, that's so he embarrassing. Did. He got like, he got into Jesus and spiritualism and now he's like in a cult a little bit. Oh no. I was about to say it's sociology instead of Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> sociology <laughs> tax exempt for some reason yeah so he's he's in that kind of sphere steva goes over anyway because he like he wants to he wants to suck up um and he finds lydia ivanovna there with karenin and londo himself steva tries to steer the conversation towards anna but lydia will talk only of religion okay. and it gets weird oh nice Lydia, yeah, makes them all listen to her read aloud okay. from a long religious tract in German. Mm. And they all fall asleep. Nice. How long does she keep going for? 
I don't know, but Steve suddenly wakes up and he's embarrassed and he, because he knows he needs these guys to get that job he wants and he's like, God damn it, I can't believe I fell asleep. I'm supposed to be paying attention and being cheerful and happy and sucking up. But he's relieved to see that the famous French psychic is also Amazing. Asleep. So that's fun. So now the Frenchman is talking in his sleep. Ooh. And Lydia, and therefore Karenin as well, think he's having a vision. They just decide that's what's going on. Okay. Um, Steve finally bails. He's like, too weird. I'm out. Okay, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> that's Vidania. <laughs> and that's what I call Vidania. <laughs> <laughs> so he bails, but the next day, Karenin informs Steve that he has decided, based on Lando's dream speech, to refuse Anna's request for a divorce. Uh-oh. And no, no prizes to who guesses who helped him interpret that. Oh, I wonder if it's Lydia. Speech. Mm. Vronsky and Anna's relationship is deteriorating. Uh-oh. But, I don't know why. But wouldn't Lydia want him to be divorced so that she can swoop in and marry him and be... I don't know. I think, like, yes and no. I think she likes that it's, like, safe. <laughs> like, she can spend her entire day, all day, every day with him, and no one thinks that it's weird because he's married. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, okay, Anna and Vronsky are... Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know. And also, she just hates Anna. Yeah, so fair enough. Like, oh, okay. That's fine. Don't give her what she wants. He becomes colder to her. Vonsky becomes colder to Anna. She assumes he's cheating oh, no. on her because of this and confronts him, which makes him become even colder. Oh, no. It's a vicious cycle, you know. She's like, if you no longer love me, who do you love? She's like, where's the love going? <laughs> where, where has it gone? Because it's sure not here. <laughs> <laughs> by the black eyed peas no it's not <laughs> no it's my movie where tom's like where's the sugar and the eggs and the flour <laughs> and mike's like oh i don't know <laughs> he was so angry he wanted to bake probably he wanted to cope with his own uh-huh. food oh, guys this is a throwback <laughs> to uh my first short film in rmit at rmit in like 2016 Starring Maybe we Cassandra can tweet Colton. a link to the video. It's not up starring anywhere. Me. It's like in oh, the dark web. Okay. Well, then why are we talking about it on the show? For intrigue. She's convinced he's involved with another woman. Anna knows she's being unfair, but she cannot control her emotions. Uh, just for fun, she and Vronsky also argue about women's rights just and women's fun. education. <laughs> which he dismisses. As you might expect. Vronsky tries to hide Steve's telegram, informing him that Karenin will not grant a divorce. Uh-oh. So Steve has sent a telegram by now, but Anna demands to know Karenin's decision and says that she accepts it. Anna tries to get Vronsky to go with her to the country immediately. She's like, she's in makeup mode in, in the sense that it's like, let's get out of here and bone all day and, and, and then I- you know, forget all our deep-seated issues. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too real. <laughs> So, and he's like, yes, you know what? Let's do it. Let's, he's also in that mode now, but he's like, first I've got to go see my mother to sort out some, a couple money things. She knows his mother has some lady she wants him to marry. Remember, he's still officially a bachelor yeah. and like eligible. And she, she obviously does not like that at all. So she's like, he has to go. She says she, he has to go with her to the country now or not at all. Oh, she's like, mm, ultimatum time. And she even insults his mom. Great. Good um, ultimatum. Which she asks her not to do. <laughs> He's like, hey, He's like, maybe don't uh, talk about do my not. mom like that. Like, 
She got diabetes, man. It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it gets bad. For the first time ever, they don't make up by the end of the day. Ooh. They go to bed, presumably in different rooms, um, angrily. It usually Anna was, is convinced like with the reading room and stuff. They just sneak yeah. around and mm. be together if they loved each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. Only Anna is convinced their relationship is over. Okay. And she falls into despair. Vronsky departs to visit his mother. <laughs> he answered that question. After Vronsky leaves to the train station, Anna regrets her unfair treatment of him and sends an apologetic note asking to speak to him. Okay. So I guess asking him to come back. I just left. I don't know. I'll come back when I'm back, Anna. Yeah. Um, She reflects that she only wants to live and that she knows they love each other deeply. Later, Anna sends Vronsky another telegram requesting that he return immediately. She's like, emergency, you've got to come home right now. Mm. But is she the girl that tried emergency? Yeah, a little bit. Like, I think, I'm not sure if she implicates their daughter being ill again or something, mm. or her being ill or something. She's like, but she's like, you gotta come back right now. Um, but she doesn't get a response and she's sick of waiting around for one. Like, it's taking too long. So Anna drives to Dolly's to say farewell before they go to the country, before she and Vronsky go to the country. Okay. Um, so remember, Dolly's in town right now with Kitty, who's, who's, um, you know, recovering. Yeah, from popping out a human. Um, yeah. Um, Kitty hesitates to meet Anna for multiple reasons, probably including that she's bleeding the Red Sea out of her poor vagina. And also Anna stole her boyfriend, like, years ago. Whatever. And as Anna drives home... I say drives. Like, someone's driving her in a carriage. <laughs> like, it's horses. She's not... Yeah, she's not driving. It's, this isn't drive. 2011. Oh. Anyway, so she's, she's driving, not yeah, driving. Yeah, so... She's not driving, but she's being driven, and she reflects that all humans hate each other. Okay. She becomes convinced. She's like, I've got it. I know what's going on. Everyone hates each other. Oh my god, now she's holding Caulfield. A little bit. Everyone's a phony, In more ways than one. She receives a curt telegram from Vronsky saying he cannot return before 10 o'clock. Anna grows furious, fur- furious, 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 uh, interpreting the reply as a cold dismissal. Um, and we later learned that he only got her first telegram asking to talk to him soon. Oh, not the second one that's like, why? it's an emergency. Who yeah, you know, classic. It. She's like, he doesn't care. He doesn't care that if I'm dying. Oh, no. Um, yeah. It's just going where I think it's going. She, where do you think it's going? She's going to kill the daughter and her. She decides to meet him at the station. On the way, Anna reflects on the Moscow cityscape that's, like, passing by, and on the fact that Vronsky's love has faded. She thinks he feels only obligation, not love, towards her. At the station, Anna feels disoriented, focusing on the fakeness of the people in the crowd. (laughs) She keeps criticising them in her mind, like their appearances, which she imagines are their hypocrisies. One of the lines is, No, you're going in vain. She mentally addressed a company in a coach and four who were evidently going out of town for some merriment. And the dog you're taking with you won't help you. You won't get away from yourselves. Uh, sounds like someone's projecting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she gets to the station. She barely knows why she is there or what destination to request. 
She boards the train and despises the artificiality of her fellow passengers. Stepping off the train as it stops at Obiralovka. It's okay. <laughs> I gave it my best go. Anna walks along the platform in a despairing daze, finally resolving to throw herself under an approaching train in order to punish oh. Bronsky and, quote, be rid of everybody and of herself. Punish Vronsky and every other person taking PTV. Public <laughs> yes. transportation. Vodka, not Victor. <laughs> Russia. She imagines how he'll regret her death, the way he treated her before her death. It literally is. She's like, he'll be sorry. We've wow. all felt that way. As the train approaches, as a train approaches, I should say, and Anna impulsively throws herself under the wheel. Wow. She goes through with it. She begs God for forgiveness and feels a pang of confusion and regret when it is too late. The candle of her life is extinguished. Ooh. And that is the end of part seven. The candle of her life is extinguished. I feel like I've read that somewhere. It's probably That's like how that. he talks about it. I, I could probably find you the exact quote. Um... Um, uh, it's such a bummer that when she did throw herself on the tracks, there's that confusion and regret that's so sad. Yeah. But yeah, she. She's and obviously... like the fact that she's on the tracks and she. Do- it's not like she's killed on impact. She's like there. Yeah. She's like under the wheels of one carriage and then the next one's coming towards her. Like it's wheels that get her. I don't know. That's disturbing to me. I find that very scary. I guess Vronsky sure regrets not coming home earlier now. Wait, come on. Part eight. Well, apparently Leo me. Tolstoy, sorry, I was looking for the actual quote. Apparently Leo Tolstoy saw someone get killed by a train. And that was his inspiration. Here's the quote. So she crosses herself on the platform. That familiar gesture brought back into her soul a whole series of girlish and childish memories. And suddenly the darkness that had covered everything for her was torn apart. And life rose up before her for an instant with all its bright past joys. But she did not take her eyes from the wheels of the second carriage. And exactly at the moment when the space between the wheels came opposite her, she dropped the red bag. And drawing her head back into her shoulders, she fell on her hands under the carriage. And lightly, as though she would rise again at once, dropped onto her knees. And at the same instant, she was terror-stricken at what she was doing. Where am I? What am I doing? What for? She tried to get up to drop backwards, but something huge and merciless struck her on the head and rolled her onto her back. Lord, forgive me all, she said, feeling it impossible to struggle. A peasant muttering something was working at the iron above her, and the light by which she had read the book filled with troubles, falsehoods, sorrow and evil fled up more brightly than ever before, lighted up for her all that had been in darkness, flickered, began to grow dim, and was quenched forever. Ooh. She's basically saying suicide, don't do it. Yeah, it makes it pretty gross and scary. Scary for sure. Like the idea, putting yourself in the shoes of someone as they get hit by a train. I know. One of the reasons I was so surprised that you had not been spoiled for Anna Karenina is because, well, no, it's just that it's in, like, people who know nothing else about Anna Karenina know there's a lady that gets hit by a train. Oh, really? Like, that's the famous thing. There's even, like, this famous joke that um, some, I don't know if it was Oscar Wilde or someone else, but, like, some comedian was, like, watching a long play of Anna Karenina and at the end someone was like how'd you find the play and he's like well it's the longest I've ever waited for a train 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, dark, but... Mm. Man, yeah. I feel like if I searched the recesses of my weedy brain, I would find that. Like, mm-hmm. knowing Maybe. the... But it's not in the forefront, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, forefront. no, that's all good. All right, you ready for part eight? But to be Last fair, part? I did speculate. I was mm. like, I wonder what would happen. And I did speculate mm-hmm. speculate that she would die. Because she was just yeah. so upset all the time. But also, yeah, I feel like in this period especially, but, you know, in all literature ever and continuing to this day in movies and stuff, like women who do bad things usually die because you have to punish them <laughs> in the true. story for doing the, the, quote, bad things. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the horror movie girl who has sex. Woman. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Final. Yeah. Um. The, the whore that always dies. If you ever yeah. have sex in a horror movie, you'll die. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you're, if you're not white, you'll die. <laughs> There's die. That's another. That's another. Um, crime. Episode. <laughs> that's a different crime, <laughs> but a crime all the same. <laughs> yeah, and this is that, but like on a cultural scale, I suppose, beyond genre. You know. Any, you know what I any, just mm. I just realized. Okay, part eight. The baby, Vronsky's baby, will go to fucking Jude Law because mm-hmm. it's it's his last name. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Okay. You're right. The final and shortest part of the book consists of tying up the loose ends of Levin's narrative. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> we love him. Levin. It's Levin. It's Levin. <laughs> His brother's book, Sergei's Farmum Opus, I wrote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did it do well? Sl- no, it slides under the radar and nobody cares about it. <laughs> oh, bummer. Yeah. Looks like Russia is going to war on yeah. behalf of the Slavs in Turkey. Um, just because, just for ethnic solidarity. They're like, someone's fighting the Slavs. We're Slavs. We'll help you out. Yeah, do it. Um, And a lot of people are like, "Why aren't we fighting? (laughs) We're so hungry and cold." We haven't eaten in four years. We are Russians. Yeah, but if there's one thing that Russia's good at, it's just sending soldiers out to die until the other side gets tired. Um. Apparently, (laughs) Vronsky volunteered to go fight. He's happy to die for the cause, as nothing in his life has value now. As he has you a correctly child. predicted, as mm, as you correctly predicted, Mm-mm. little Annie's with Karenin now. He's adopted Does Karenin her want legally. Annie? I think so. Like in as much as like he's he's religious now, and he's like he's money. He can pay nannies to look after them, and that's true. Everything. He's not, you know, he's not, like, bouncing them on his knee and being, like, dad, you know? Like, he's not, he's not playing ball with them. Aww. Yeah. Although, maybe. No, Actually, only Levin would to... play ball with this kid. <laughs> but then he'd, like, yell at the kid. Either way, if the kid was bad or if the kid was too good and beat him. <laughs> I'm always yelling because I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah there's actually a really lovely scene in the movie after nice. um jude law adopts the little kids where nice. it's like they they really go easy on his character in the movie they're like they're very pro karenin he doesn't get that narrative with the where he kind of loses cult. it with the yeah with the cult and everything he's just kind of 
chilling. You know, he looks really likable and, and Anna looks like kind of worse um, in comparison in that movie. But yeah, there's a lovely scene where he's like sitting in a field reading something and the kids are like playing around him and he like looks at them fondly and it's like, it's really nice. So I guess, the, I guess what I'm saying is there's some version of the story where he is a dad. <laughs> not in this um, one. Not in this one. So, um, Sergei goes to Levin's estate and he meets Kitty, who is feeding their infant son, Mitya, with her boobs. Ew. Yeah. Put them away. It's natural. Put them away. She's keen. <laughs> She's keen for visitors. She's like, oh, yeah, fun company. Lenin's just been kind of gloomy lately. She attributes it to a spiritual confusion. And she's right. Um... Levin has been more focused on philosophical questions ever since marriage and fatherhood. He's, like, searching for the meaning of life because he's an atheist, and he... Oh, yeah. Atheism doesn't give you, give you a book about it, so... So he's seeking a non-materialist answer to his question. He's trying to, like, there's got to be a meaning of life past, like, getting money to feed yourself and clothe yourself mm. and no. have sex with pretty girls. Um, and he can't find any. Uh, and he flirts with the idea of suicide. Um... Huh. But he actually finds that when he stops overthinking his life and he simply just lives, he tends to find himself pretty happy. Although, a passing sentence from a peasant working on his land changes everything. <gasps> Do they while call discussing... him like a simp or something? <laughs> no. He <laughs> says, while one man may live only to fill his belly, another lives for God and goodness. So basically, at this moment, Levin finds Jesus. Ugh. Why do people keep finding Jesus in this book? I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, neither did Levin. But uh, Jesus is here, and he's uh, he's gonna do his bit. What's he gonna his, do? What's his bit? A tight is five. He gonna... <laughs> What's he gonna do? A tight five, maybe a loose ten. <laughs> <laughs> loose ten. Don't get him started on the meek. Jesus, you're up. There. <laughs> he's late. He's always late. <laughs> he figures. He kind of has this realization that the fact that all people are born with a sense of good and evil innate within us proves the existence of God. So he lies mm -hmm. down in a field and thinks about a lot of things that Tolstoy wanted to squeeze into the novel about how <laughs> life's little failures and annoyances can't dislodge that knowledge of right and wrong and security and God that exists in all of us. When he gets home, there's a sudden violent thunderstorm. And he realizes with a jolt of horror that Kitty and Mitya are caught out in it. Uh-oh, as, as he goes out to look for them, he sees a giant oak topple over. No. In the wind and rain. Don't. Near where Kitty and the child were actually sitting earlier. He fears okay. they've been killed. Okay. But they're fine. He runs them, he finds them, they're fine. They're like, wet, they're wet. I'm so <laughs> done wet. with you pausing. I'm sick of you. <laughs> Oh. Ah, they're all good. Everyone's like, it's Levin. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. Play him out. Levin realizes the extent of his love for his son in this moment, and Kitty, in a great and is grateful that he finally feels paternal emotions. He's like, oh, there it is. I do it. I love my child. <laughs> oh, took him a while. Yeah, you know, get to know him. Um, feeling another surge of faith. Levin contemplates telling Kitty of his newfound spirituality, but in the end he decides not to, concluding that faith is private and also inexpressible. 
Um, and he feels once again that the meaning of life lies in goodness, um, in the goodness that one puts into it. Okay. And that is the end of the story of Anna Karenina. And Eleven. Was named after her. And that's um, Eleven. <laughs> I don't know. I, I do think she's, like, central to it. Um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think she's the main character. I think Levin's also the main character, but I think, you know, naming a, a book about after a woman may be more appealing. I'm not really sure. Could I guess all either. the juicy stuff does happen to her. Yeah. Levin's Jeez. kind of, like, definitely the counter-narrative, I guess. Mm. Like, I, they, they have these two stories that kind of, like, cross thematically, but, you know, one's, one's a tragedy and one's, like... Not a comedy, but it's like. Well, that's pretty it funny. <laughs> you know, it, it the dra- the it's a drama, it, and it's and it ends well, and it's wholesome, and and it, you know, contrasts the values, I guess. I am just really excited to have. watch the movie. Honestly, mm, like I'm glad yeah. we finished just so we can watch the movie. <laughs> I want to see mm. Chanel Russia 1860. Yes. Yeah exactly yeah. what i wanted it's so. gorgeous what sam's referring to is that it's not like historically accurate costume it's like got a vibe of that period but it's mostly just high fashion <laughs> we talked about this in the last episode do we do we talk about it on the thing oh, you may, maybe you're right anyway that was a recap of that part of that part a small recap <laughs> um, um all right so anna karenina very long very sad very russian <laughs> yeah Very correct mm-hmm. oh my god I gotta end the episode I'm doing it I'm about to do it can I do it <laughs> <laughs> I don't know can you this is the um, the closing ceremony at the Olympics <laughs> here I come <laughs> and that's what I call Vidanya point we don't need to include this but i think we should get you a microphone so that if you if you want to chime in like you can and we'll have it recorded and we can put it in the app that's true we still have that um snowball mic if mm, it still works true. yeah it doesn't have to be like good quality either like if it's just alana chime so or is it super christmas good alana? it's like well, yeah you know like a <laughs> like a like a phone like call. a cryptid no like a phone call <laughs> on a radio show oh, like phone a friend yeah exactly who wants to be a bagillionaire <laughs> alana does <laughs>